You're listening to the Real Estate Radio Hour, the show that brings you unfiltered stories and insight from the Twin Cities real estate world with your hosts, Chris Rooney, broker at REMAX Preferred, and Andy Presky, leader of the Preferred Home Team at REMAX Advantage Plus. Another technical. All right, buddy. What? Uh, so it looks like you're, uh, you're living uh, outside now. Is that the case? You got kicked out or? Yeah, well, it's a good spot. I came to visit uh, Minnetonka here, and so just hanging out on the the deck overlooking Minnehaha Creek, where it begins. The backwaters. Yep. Doesn't that Minnehaha Creek come out of the out of Minnetonka? Yeah, right off Gray's Bay. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Um. All right. So today's show. Hey, everybody. Thank you. We're. Uh, Starting a little bit late today, and uh, don't uh, appreciate you guys tuning in for us. Um, what uh, what we have in stores? We have some questions from last week. We have um, some insights. What what are you seeing, Chris? Just kind of kick off the show. What uh, what did your week actually look like compared to last week in real estate? I think again, just uh, I mean, start things are starting to come back, come on the market. Um, there's nothing that's uh, really changed as far as uh, getting lots of offers on properties. And, uh, I don't know. I think it, it, it just pays to do it right from the beginning and just price it accordingly. Don't try to, don't try to say, Oh, the market's really good. And let's just, uh, up the price. You got to price it right. And then it will yeah. find the right price. Right. Yeah. I'm always kind of that optimistic guy, you know, where you, uh, you know, normally we'd list at 450. Let's list at 465. But I'll tell you, um, everybody's fighting you. I think it's a mental battle right now. I think there's a uh, a lot of sellers that you know know there's not any inventory, which is one of the my uh, slides I put together for later in the show here. But um, it just there's no inventory, and so uh, rates are low, no inventory. It's simple economics, and it drives the pressure on um, things are getting scooped up super fast in all price ranges, actually. And, um, you know, it's definitely an interesting market for sure. Cause people want to walk into your model home and say, uh, how's the market? And they want you to say, Oh, it's horrible. Make, please make a low offer. And that's yeah. not what's happening at all. Is it? Well, you're seeing that in new construction too. Yeah. I mean, you oh, guys are, big time. I know you guys are doing a promotion right now and it's uh, really caught on pretty good. It's, it's like wildfire, Chris. Wildfire, good. No, here's the deal, though. We had uh, we like like last week. I perfect example. I'll just call it the way I see it. I have an I have a property listed at five hundred and fifty thousand, and I had somebody write me an offer for four hundred and ninety thousand, and they wanted everything fixed, and they wanted everything that, in their opinion, that was you know tuned up. And I'm like, I, I go back to the the agent, and I'm like, what kind of margins do you think builders have on houses nowadays? I mean, it's a legit question, right? New construction house. New construction. And I'm like, you know, I go, with $50,000, we can sit on this house for three years and still lose less money than taking that offer, you know? But anyway, it was, uh, it, it's just one of those things where some people get it, some people don't. Um, but, you know. Well, sometimes too, you, you, you never know unless you try. And uh, sometimes it's starting somewhere. It's just, it's just, I think, be cautious if you're uh, a buyer out there that you really want that house. That yeah. You really to um, don't don't insult the seller too bad that they don't try to work with you because I've had that before where they just say you know what we're done 
I'm, yeah. not, I'm not dealing with that person. Gotcha. Hey, let's um let's do this. Let's uh jump into our um our slides again. Let's see if I can. I'm gonna turn down our old intro. Okay. And then um so so I agree. Let's um slide ahead here, a couple slides, get right into the questions. Um, we did have one question on Facebook Live. Where is Chris Rooney today? Somebody asked us, Chris, where you are? Chris Rooney is in, uh, uh, actually, I'm in Wyzetta. Oh. The this, the city name is Wyzetta, so. I've heard that's very nice there this time of year. Who, who's the spell checker on this thing, by the way? Uh, unemployment. Unemployment? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, I can sell the heck out of a house, but can I spell? Can I hook up? Can I turn on my show? I don't know. I uh I think it's the the effect of there's an employee in there. So that's good. Just just why don't you focus on the question there, smarty pants? <laughs> um people are asking us, like, what about unemployment? Like, how is that not affecting housing, right? So um this was an interesting uh CNBC put this out, I'm trying to be as broad as I can with my sources here. Um, May, uh, the main May gain was by far the biggest one month job surge in U.S. history since 1939. Not last month, guys. So we brought on more jobs last month than ever. So it's like people are like, well, it's going to get worse before it gets better. This really throws that theory off. And I'm not I'm not an expert. I'm just saying I'm bringing you what I'm seeing as I see it. Right. So um, the other thing was. Where did the jobs get cut and where did they gain? Uh, as a lot of restaurants turned back on, I'm sure a lot of carryout, 1.4 million in, in the food industry came back. Construction's coming back real solid as well. Um, education, healthcare, retail, you can kind of read down the list there. Um, biggest cuts were still in hotel and in government uh, employees. So cutting back on government spending. Mm-hmm. Huh. What I'm sure a lot of that has to do with, I mean, if you think about if nobody's working, Nobody's paying taxes, and eventually there's going to be a big hole there where they're trying to pay their elder employees out of, and there's no money to be dipped. So it, it'll be interesting. But unemployment, um, you guys, I think is is kind of a uh, is is getting rested or under control. Um, is it a good idea to invest in real estate, Chris Rooney, right now? Um, I think there's always opportunities in any type of market. Uh, you just got to find them, you know, and uh, it's, uh, I mean, it depends kind of what investment, uh, I think we've got another qu- a question on this one too. Um, yeah. we can, we'll dive into it more, but it's really kind of what you want to do and, and, and what you're good at yeah. uh, because, uh, there might be some really good, uh, choices out in the, uh, you know, strip mall areas. And I mean, when they're losing all those people, they're not going to be able to probably keep those. There might be some opportunities that, uh, you can grab yeah. on commercial type stuff right now. I, I think so. If you find tenants, I think that's a great opportunity. I mean, yeah. a lot of those bigger companies, when they will literally draw the line and say, well, we'll just lose $6 million and get rid of that asset. That's where you can gain um, some monstrous returns um, as an investor. But, you know, this was a Gallup poll that they just did. Um, so they were saying 35% of uh, the people they pool- polled were looking at real estate so things like you're talking about, Chris, they didn't specify single family or commercial or sing, you know multifamily, but it was just in general, real estate was a choice that they all felt safe with. And I think that goes back to that old school 
um, a stock can go from this to this and you, you don't really, you just know it's worth less. You can always drive by that house and you still see that your investment's there. It's a tangible <coughs> investment. I think a lot of people like tangible right now. Yeah, and you know, there's in, in your uh, slide here, there's two words called long-term. And I think if you think yep. about that and think about what the interest rates are right now, I mean, you're going to be holding right. on to it for a very, very good price. And so, you, yeah, on some of these uh, residential um, investments, you're maybe you're paying, you know, you're paying for them. But over time, I mean, what is the cost to you? And I think right. that's what you're going to look at when it's a long-term type thing. Well, and this has been going on, this other uh, little slide I put up here, that's been going on since 2013, where it's the predominant. Um, and, and this is also, Chris, I, I know that, you know, I probably look at a lot of this stuff more than the average person, but this is what they're saying is going to also help us with our economy. The rebound of the, uh, the economy, a lot of it will be based on housing, still having really solid demand um, and actually be a shining, uh, you know, yeah. light in the uh, storm here. Why is housing not crashing, Chris Rooney? Well, first of all, I have to tell you, I had to move up closer to the screen because my wife said there's like a tree growing out of my head. You, so you look great. Thank you. Thank you. Why is housing not crashing? Because there's very low inventory and the interest rates are great. How about that for an answer? Look at that. If you can, if you can read this uh, chart, um, Hollywood, uh, the, you can see here the, uh, where inventory is. Look at this, you guys. This is year over year. We're going into April, right? The uh, the March, April, you go into May. I think this will even show more than that. And then now we're obviously into June, but look at this trend. It's just the inventory, the pond keeps getting lower and lower and lower and lower, which, you know, even if there's a smaller buyer pool that's out there per se, they're, they're fighting over what's there. And so what I always worry about in this situation is, you know, you look at appreciation, right? So this is a 20 city composite um, with pricing um, changes. And through February, prices are still climbing, um, three, three and a half percent year over year. Um, and this again is by uh, Case Schiller um, study they did. And so, you know, the, the market was strong. Now, what'll be interesting, Chris, is that with the Case Schiller, there's uh, their reports coming out again here real soon. That'll show the March, um, April reports. And it'll, it'll be real interesting to see if those numbers continue to climb for appreciation. Because I mean, you never know. I, I I personally, my experience is that it will be at that or higher. You agree? For sure. Yeah. I think you're right. I think, you know, it's a simple supply and demand type thing. I mean, it's uh, it's toilet paper and ammunition, you know. I mean, you ever you ever go to uh, Bill's Fleet Farm and try to find ammunition? It's almost, I mean, it's comical. There's just nothing in the, uh, I shop at Bill's Fleet Farm all the time, just so you know. It's the best store. <laughs> it's, it's it's interesting. All those bags of nuts and stuff like that. Those you are you can get horse tranquilizers, gummy bears, <laughs> and ammo. And it's like this is the best store ever. I know. Parts. New new shirt for the show. And Under Armour. They do sell a lot of Under Armour stuff. Just so you know. Yeah, I saw that. They must have yeah. cut a deal with Under Armour, huh? I know. I know it's a good deal. So. Uh, Andrew uh, Workin, one of our regular uh, viewers, by the way, thank you, Andrew, for uh, viewing the show, says, uh, Chris looked like a 30 point, he looks like a 30 point buck, or is that a tree coming out of your head? There you go. See? <laughs> this, and people think this is just about real estate. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, uh, I actually get a kick out of people having fun with Chris at his expense. Um, 
Okay, yeah. where are interest rates going? Do you think they're going to go up or do you think they're going to go down? I don't think they can go anywhere but up. Okay. Am I wrong? Let's see. No, this is, let's just, let's back up your case a little bit. So not just, you know, you as a local um, real estate expert, as a, as a coach, and then you look at, here's, here's Freddie Mac, right? Fannie Mae, um, the Mortgage Bankers Association and the National Association of Realtors. And you look at, this is what they're estimating for the second quarter of this year, which is kind of where we're at right now, 3.15, right? Um, an average. And then they all think next quarter, they're going to go down a little bit. They think they're going to be down into the first quarter of next year, which I don't know how, because I mean, it, it at this point, you know, when they're lending at a negative rate from the Fed to these lenders or to the to the mortgage um, servicers, and then you look at like you know the Wells Fargo's and uh, whatever's you know wherever it has their mortgage, um, the money comes from a lot of times these GSEs, the Freddie Mac, Fannie Mae, um, Ginny Mac, uh, you know, their Penny Mae. Oh, there's a bunch of them, and and then they hold the end loan, and then your bank is really servicing it, but those servicers don't want to work for less than 3%. Yeah. Actually, they want to make more than that. So they're like, you saw that when rates dropped, uh, what was it, two months ago, right after all this started, um, or right before it started, they dropped significantly. And everybody was trying to refinance and the banks are like, yeah, we're good. We we uh, we basically can't even perform on that loan. We don't have yeah. the capacity and we're okay not doing it. It was it's the first time I've ever seen that in my career, you know? You know, there's, there's another factor too called an election that usually keeps the rates down um, or or pretty steady. So I should have taken that into account, but I just think they're, I mean, they're so low right now and everything you just said is, that's my feeling is that it just, yeah. I mean, at some point, you know, I mean, the rates are not, not an issue. And I don't think even if the, the issue is getting stuff on the market so people can buy it, the rates are not going to stop anyone from buying. Or I don't even if it, it's going to encourage them even more by them continually going down. So, yeah, that um, there's a um, yeah, and then here's one last little chart just to kind of show you what they're projecting. Uh, Freddie Mac, who's does a lot of the jumbo market and the 30-year fixed mortgages, right? Um, they think it's just going to be flat through next year, um, just to keep things moving forward, um, just to not throw anything off on the economy, get us all back on track. Um, then we had some questions from last week. Uh, first question is we put our home on the market. We got 4% above our asking price. We're excited about it. However, our agent has recently had bad experiences with the lender and are cautioning us on accepting this offer. Is this legitimately a concern for us? Sometimes. <laughs> I mean, obviously, we've all had uh, experiences with different people, and and it might have been one bad deal uh, with those yeah. people. But I think it's got to put you on alert, and maybe you check into it a heck of a lot deeper uh, than you normally would. But um, you know, and it might be, you know, it's, it's a mortgage company that that doesn't have enough capacity, like you were talking about earlier, you know, to get yeah. a loan. So you're right. you're worried about that, and um, you know, so. Yeah, I think that uh, you know when you get burned, you know if you if you go touch the stove and the fire's on, and you touch it one time, you don't you go back to that. You're not going to touch next time. That's the agents agents way though. I think get a little um, bent out of shape over this stuff, but I think that's our job to make sure and maybe dive in and require more. You know because maybe right. you don't believe the lender, and so 
say, Mr. Realtor, I just need to know, you know, what the buyer's jobs are, what they're doing and, and what kind of money they make. That's the right. way we do it. I don't know if you were in it at that time, Andy, but um, we always pre-approved all the buyers before they even went to a lender. We did it and we showed the client, hey, here's what we're thinking. Here's here's what their uh, income is. Here's what their expenses. And we times it by 29 and 41%. And and yeah, they, they're going to be able to qualify for it. When I, uh, when I was getting into the business, that was kind of right at the very end of that where we would ask those questions. But there were still agents in my brokerage that were asking those, you know, what's your income? What's your debt? What's your, and they would calculate the, um, yeah. you know, it was, a, it was a time saver too. Was they were just trying to help people you know, obviously uh, figure out what they can afford so they don't over buy and uh, helping people out. But, you know, I think one of the other considerations that you have is like with lending, um, you have loan officers that are very proactive where they they get the purchase agreement in, they start the process, they order the appraisals, they are cranking it out in 30 to 60, you know, 30 to 45 days probably. And then you get the other loan officers that wait till five days before closing and open up the file or don't send it to underwriting until the very end. And then all of a sudden you have all these, you know, problems at the end where there's, um, I know with a lot of home builders, that's why they have preferred lenders is because they don't want to deal with the lender that, that kicks the can to the, the very last. And a lot of that has to do guys with them trying to get the rate. Um, they're on the open market trying to shop rates, hoping for a rate reduction, or they find a pocket um, from an investor that they can get your money that you need for your closing. And so some of those, uh, you know, guys are out there floating it, just trying to find a better deal. So that's why they postpone it. On the other hand, you know, when you lock in with a legitimate lender that that has money available, um, they lock in the rate, and then you compare it to somebody like that, it's not fair. Because it's it's like the, uh, you know, buying from a legitimate business, a brick and mortar business, versus buying the watch out of somebody's trunk. Yeah. Right, Chris? Remember your last anniversary? Yeah. And the problem you had with that? Two of them. I did Mother's Day, too. <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding, of course, but um, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but okay. good, good for them, though, getting four percent over uh, asking price. I mean, it's fantastic. Yeah, hopefully it appraised. Um, I'm worried about our house uh, may not appraise. <laughs> knock, knock. Uh, that high. Should I ignore that fear and deal with the appraisal later? What options do I have if the appraisal comes in low? I think that's uh, quite interesting, um, you know, and I think that's, to me, that is one of those, um, it's a playoff of that upper one, because when you do go over full price, that's what people are um, having uh, a, a problem with in, in sometimes, but I'll tell you what, it kind of goes hand in hand with what maybe that agent is doing um, with that lender and with a, a, maybe the co-op agent but talking about that whole appraisal and not letting it just um, sit, sit out there and then, oh, we'll just deal with it later. You know, you might, when you have the leverage, like multiple offers and accepted an offer, you have the ability in which to be able to kind of work through if that appraisal comes in lower. But the other thing I don't think people should do is, um, oh my gosh, I mean, I got 4% higher. Will it appraise? And almost like, hey, we should take a lower price. Well, why would you ever do that? You know? I mean, if it's a problem, we will have to deal with it later. It's our job to be able to say, hey, you know what? <laughs> this might not appraise. Let's go with a buyer that's maybe more able to handle it. Maybe the highest price offer is a 5% down buyer and their credit's 
48, you know, right. but there's another right. person that's 10,000 lower, but it's a 780 credit score and they're putting 20% down. It might make some sense to maybe go to that, that offer and say, Hey, you're 10,000 low. If you go up 10,000, we'll take your offer. You know, right. the yep. likelihood of a appraisal going bad with 20% down and that kind of credit rating is rare. Yeah. Agreed. And I, I think that the other, uh, you know, you and I have talked about this a little off topic with, with appraisals, but some there, there, there's some very savvy real estate agents that are out there that when they're writing offers on behalf of their buyers, a strategy that's been used in the past is let's throw it out there knowing that it won't appraise. And then there's multiple offers on the table. So let's offer the highest offer and let's like lock the property up under contract. And then we can get our lower offer accepted because it won't appraise. Or let's find something on the home inspection to get the offer lower. And so those that are selling houses and have offers that are coming in and they're not at or they're not um, uh, what you want um, or you think that, you know, the appraisals are going to come in low. There's a, Chris and I have talked about this in the past too, where we'll say, I was counter an offer like that with an addendum that clearly states that the buyer is exclusively responsible for the difference between the appraised value and the actual purchase price. And you separate the girls and the women or the boys and the men real fast when you throw that out there because they don't, most people are like, well, absolutely not. Why would I do that? And I'm like, well, then why would you write your offer that high? Uh, did you not do your homework? Right? Because we did. We listed at a fair price. We listed at an appraisable number that I can defend. And, you know, when you go up into La La Land, that's that's everything the banks are against right now. They're so against letting market prices just go poof. They're, they're trying to fight it. That's why a lot of those people like the automatic evaluations that you see like on the, you know, the different internet sites that are out there where they give you auto values. And that's to curtail and slow down in some cases markets. And, and hey, free markets are free markets. If somebody wants to pay a million dollars for a house that two years ago sold for 200,000, that's the market. But the problem is the banks just don't want to get uh, into a position where they're lending on somebody's foolishness. Um, so anyway. There you go. That's why it's nice. Some of those deals when, I mean, when you need appraisals and you get cash deals and they're, you know, they're willing to, you know, go for it, but pay cash. And usually you don't have to deal with appraisals, but I think it's always real interesting when people do multiple offers and then they put that appraisal language in there that, Hey, if it doesn't appraise, we have the right to be able to get out of it. It's kind of like, you know what, if you don't think it's worth it, then don't do it. Right. You know, don't, don't hedge your bet here, you know, and rather than say that, just say, Hey, if it doesn't appraise, here's how we're going to handle it. And I mean, when right. you do that, you separate yourself. And from yeah. an agent and Andy and you and I do a lot of listings and, and getting those offers, you know, you need something to separate yourself. You know, sure. one, the first thing you might want to do is call the other agent. I mean, that's a, that's a separator when they, they know you, you know, I mean, we get a lot of offers that you don't, you don't even get a call. It just all said, Oh, there's an offer. Wow. You know, yeah. <laughs> what? So. Well, let me ask you this, Chris. So when you get in that situation where you, you know, because I'll tell you, nothing rubs me the wrong way more than an offer that I don't even know is coming and they email it. And then they're like, they send me a text that afternoon, like upset, like, did you get my offer? And it's like, come on, present it. Call me ahead of time. I mean, I think there's nothing better than when you're trying to write an offer on a property, calling that listing agent and, and trying to get as much extract information that's useful to make your offer more attractive. What do they want for closing date? What do they want for amenities, you know, left behind? I mean, 
Do they want us to buy the furniture? Do they want to take it all with them? Do they want the hot tub? Do they, you know, there's a million different spins on that um, other than just price, right? The inspection. Um, how do they, you know, are they handy? Are they not? Are they, because I get, I have had some offers where they say, listen, I've got a seller that will not do anything to the house. So write your offer appropriate. So we came in and a multiple offer. We were under on price, but we said no inspection because we went through there with our contractor on our second showing and we felt comfortable with the house and we got the deal. And we were, I mean, probably saved 10 grand on the house. And, and that's where, you know, you got to be savvy enough to understand, you know, if you understand the motivation of the person on the other side of the transaction, a lot of times you can get a win-win for everybody for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's, it's a very interesting thing, but I think, you know, when you're, when you're, when you say you're talking to that other agent, you might find out some stuff. So it might be uh, like, like the hot tub example, yeah. you know, you know, it wasn't included, but it's kind of the agent says, you know what, you know, for the right price, we'll, we'll include it. Or, right. you know, what, that was a gift from their, their kids and uh, for an uh, anniversary gift. And so you don't mess with it, you know, and you, and you keep it away. And that's just call, call the other agent and try to get some information. Sometimes they really give you a lot of information. So more than you want. Yeah. No, that's a whole, that's a whole other uh, topic. More than they should. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, let's go. Uh, let's jump. Back Remember on. that one I sold of yours and you told me that the seller would take 50,000. Oh my God. You got to Guess what? And they want this and they'll do that. And yeah, that's uh, that's great. Don't Thank tell you. anyone. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> Don't tell. Uh, I'm not supposed to tell you this, but yeah. Um, yeah. It, uh, it, I've heard that where the, my, my listing expires on Friday and I need it sold. Um, anyway, uh, when do you know you are really best in real estate? I think I want to step back a second. I think what's really interesting is we've never had a deal together. You know what I mean? We've been, it's, isn't that, that's kind of interesting. I mean, obviously we work on other ends of the town, but uh, to be, you know, knowing each other for what, 10, 11 years now. And, yeah. uh, you know, and, and we sell a couple houses each and uh, it's yeah. kind of it's just kind of, it's, it's, well, very I, think it, I think that it's not, it's not unusual being that we're both, you know, more listing agents than we are buyers agents. Yeah. Um, Cause we both kind of, you know, sit in our, our high rise apartment style uh, or high rise offices and sit back and just tell everybody what to do. Right. Yeah. But I, I thought you said you didn't like to sell houses on wheels. So that, my, all my listings are. Anybody that knows that me knows I would sell anything. I would sell a trailer with a trailer on it. You said that on the radio one time. Yeah, ever- oh God. That was my favorite. My, the, uh, Chris, for those of you that, uh, remember back a few years, we were doing CCO and we had, uh, the Chris was talking about a fantastic listing and it, and it was on like candy cove and it was just as beautiful, like story he was telling. And I said, and you know, basically it was a multi-million dollar property on the lake. And at the very end of the comment, I said, I go, God, I said, I can't believe all of that has wheels underneath it. That's incredible. That was funny. And what was it? Three seconds before your, your seller called the show and was like, what the? Text it in. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was great. <laughs> oh, that was, I thought that was funny, but that's me. They actually did think it was funny. So. Well, of course he does. Yeah. Why not? Or she. All right. So uh, when do you know you're ready um, to invest in real estate? And what would you suggest to start with? a flip, a rental, et cetera. I think you got to be financially stable and kind of 
go into it thinking you got, you know, three to six months of reserves if you're going to with a, a rental. Um, obviously, a flip, not only do you have to buy it, but you have to upgrade it. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's try to, I don't know, start small, maybe start um, conservative, meaning that, hey, this is a, a good deal. We know it's going to rent. Maybe the renters are already in it. You can yeah. play that, you know, that hey, it's already set for me. There's nothing I have to do. And you can kind of get your feet wet while they're still paying you. And then if right. you want to read it and get it rented out to someone else, you certainly can. Yeah, you know, and I look at, too, some people inherit houses. Um, you know, the what do they call that? The uh, incidental owners. Um, yeah. You know, they all of a sudden you inherit grandma, grandpa's, mom and dad's, whatever house. And um, I think that it's just like anything else. It's a matter of looking back and saying, how much time do I have? Um, to dedicate to getting a return. Because I think the one thing that a lot of people don't do, especially flippers that do all the work themselves, they don't necessarily put a value on their own time. And they just say, well, I've got $5,000 of materials into this house and I'm going to make 20,000 when I sell it. And they don't realize that they've spent $50,000 worth of time getting the house ready to sell it. And so I don't necessarily think flipping is something that I would start with, but I would, I would definitely look at rentals. I would look at, you know, um, I'm not scared of rentals at all. I think that you can find nice tenants, especially if you live nice and close and you want to try to manage it yourself. And if it doesn't work out, you put it up for sale and sell it. You know, it's, it's not the end of the world. It's a, uh, with rates as low as they are right now, there's a huge gap between the cost, um, that you, when you borrow and what things, uh, lease out at. And then, um, so there's, there's a lot of upside right now to getting back into rentals, even though people feel that the market price, like the house price is high or higher than they want it to be. I, I just, I'm telling you, I don't think they're going to get any lower. I think you're going to see a year, year and a half from now where they're that same house that you would have bought for 200 now is 230 or 240. Um, so jump there's on a, now before it keeps going. And I, you know, but that's my opinion. I mean, obviously trust there's me. A, that. There's a house for 200. Where is it? Uh, I'm not telling you. Call <laughs> me. Everybody that's watching, call me and I'll get you the $200,000 house. I was going to be. They don't exist. Them. They're tough. Not one of your listings. Now you're not helping me. I, you know, I might have one coming this close to 200. Um, how has video changed the way you market homes, Chris Rooney? Wow. Um, you know, I think in, in today's uh, age, everyone wants everything so quick. And I think video gives them that opportunity. Um, yeah. it, could be, it could be positive and negative that okay. where they feel, where they feel that uh, they don't even have to go look at the house. And I think you have to watch out for that. Um, yeah. You know, is you can't give them everything, but you gotta. Uh, I'm I'm really into kind of like flipping in the lifestyle at them really fast, you know, where they can kind of get a feel for it and want to be able to to come out versus, you know, hey, here's another faucet and this is how it turns on and you know you could, the drain is underneath here. I mean, when you show everything, I think that's just a, a little too much. I mean, this COVID thing got everyone, you know, like oh, I got to show them every thing because no one's going to go into a house and look for it. I still have not seen one. You tell me, and people are still concerned about it, whatever, but I haven't seen one that's sold without going into the house. I haven't. I've, I've been, uh, I've, I've said that before. I've sold a few houses where we have not met in person, but we've met, um, they've seen our properties and whatever, but um, we've written offers. We've put together proposals where we're not in person, but you know, it's kind of like, um, you want to use, you know, videos consumed at a ridiculously high rate right now. So if you don't have video, you're missing an easy, you know, opportunity. 
what happens is people that are working or people that are doing whatever, and they, they watch your video. I'd say that if you do have a video, um, try to have text because I think it's uh, a ridiculously high number of videos not even uh, heard. So the it's like 80 some percent, 87%, I think I heard with NAR said that video is, is played without any uh, sound. So having highlights on the bottom of the screen and having the, the texting on there, I think is important. Um, but just like anything else in life, I mean, it's, it's more like a dating profile, you know? So it's like the, you, you want to put something in there that looks good. You want to tease with it, but you don't want to give up all the information because otherwise nobody would ever call you. They would, they would just say, nah, you know, too much, too much, you know, or whatever. And so some of those little like, um, um, things that you can't duplicate on a video it gets pretty close, but I mean, the feeling like when you pull up in the driveway, I mean, is it something where you go, wow, you know, that's hard to duplicate with, with anything, you know, but it's, um, on the other hand, the view or the way that the room feels, you know, on a, on a sunny afternoon, does it, does it capture the light just right? And is it, you know what I mean? It's just like every house has its hour where it's like really nice. Um, so I, I try to get people, I hate to say this, uh, but I, I have a tendency to do video. And then if it doesn't work, I pull back on it so that I can get more showings. Um, I know a lot of people think I'm crazy, but I'll tell you what, you go to one photo on the MLS and it's in somebody's price range. They don't eliminate you by the photos anymore. Now they're like, oh, this listing agent's an idiot. But then they show the house and then I have a shot at earning their business. So I know that showings equal offers. If I don't get showings, I'm not going to get any offers. So I'll do everything in my power to get people into those houses. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I talk about that a lot too. It's that, you know, there's never, I mean, when you come in and say, oh, this is exactly what we're going to do. There's some play along with that, you know, and and sometimes it's like aerial photography. Everyone wants aerial photography, thinks it's the greatest thing in the world. Well, aerial photography backing up to a busy road is probably not the best thing to be able to, you know, show someone because they're not going to come in. And so yeah. you have to Look be- at the road on three sides of this house. Isn't it beautiful? Yeah, yeah. And I think some people just say, oh, it's a checklist. Oh, we have to have HDR photos. We have to have twilights. We have to have an aerial. Then we have a video. You don't have yeah. to have every time. So you just got to be smart about it. It's not, uh, and and I think that's our job as agents. So all right, what's the pro and the con of a, a rent back agreement on a on a sale? Um, Maybe let me do this. Describe what a rent back agreement is first, just for those that aren't really one hundred percent aware. Someone's then, um, buying buying the home, and then they're the sellers are going to rent back from them for a certain period of time. Now there's some mortgages that state that you can't do that over ninety days. Um, but there is some in really hot markets um, that people are uh, renting back for a longer time. So yeah. um, I've got a very good example of this because it's happening to me right now. Um, our daughter's in her last year of school uh, at Minnetonka, and so we're not going to leave until she gets out of school. But we had someone that wanted to buy our house. And, you know, the plan was to sell uh, probably next summer sometime. Uh, but uh, they came in and uh, said that, hey, we'll buy it for this and we'll let you rent it back from us for the whole school year. Nice. And so, um, yeah, and so it, it turned out good. It was a win-win. Um, but, you know, there's pros and cons on both sides. I could have, hey, maybe the market's going to get better. I'm going to get a higher price. Or did, boy, did I get the right market and hit it right? And I have the ability to go buy whatever I want, you know, over the next year. And so I might get the right opportunity. And then, or the condition, you know, that, that's the other thing is that you, you know, the, the previous seller, once they've got your money, 
Um, you know, and now they're renting back, you know, is the condition going to be maintained at that same level? I think that's really important to, you know, address when you're doing a rent back is that we expect it to be at the same or better quality, or we want to escrow $10,000 um, for said, re- just like a security deposit. Um, yep. Because in, in, once their money is gone, you've given them the money, they're in control. I mean, it's, if you don't have leverage on people, then people do silly things. They spill that Coca-Cola and they, oh, I'll get it later because it's not their carpet. It's right. it's when it's their carpet, it's, you know, holy cows, get the the fire hose. and Yeah, and that's one of the other pros is that, hey, you get your money out of it, you know, and that's the way I looked at it. Say, hey, I'm going to have, I'll get all this money. I've got it and I still don't have to move. But now I also have to become now a tenant. And yeah. that's I mean, when you're not used to that. That's a different, different thing to do. So. Exactly. Okay. Other than cleaning, decluttering, and painting, uh, what area or aspect of the home do you see is the best to spend money to increase your value? Well, you, I, I would, you know, how about hardware? I think hardware is a really good, um, a real good thing. I think it can update in lighting fixtures. I think those together um, yep. can can get you to twenty twenty pretty quick. Tiles. Um, some a lot of people are painting tiles now, and it looks so much better. So, what do you think? I agree. I think that um, I also like carpet. You know, I think there's something to be said for, um, you know, when you walk in, you don't you don't realize how gross your carpet is until you move your furniture, and then even in the nicest of houses, you go, oh my gosh, look at that wear pattern. Look at that. You can tell grandma wore her shoes in the house. You know, even though they were clean, they were slippers. They still wear out carpet faster or whatever. Um, I think that carpet and flooring is a good thing to, to play with as well. Um, you know, when you get into um, light remodeling, meaning, you know, like in a bathroom, let's say you paint the vanity and you put in a new toilet. Um, people appreciate that. I mean, they like knowing that, hey, this is a brand new throne for you, you know, and uh, it's it's not an old disgusting used for 70 year old toilet, which, you know, can <laughs> Eve some people out. You know, think about it though. It's gross. I guess I'll have to start now. I I'm also I also teach ad writing classes on how to write real estate ads. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, I think uh can you can you get a little closer to the screen? I want to see you close up. Yeah, look at that. That's now that's a guy. Look at not even many uh wrinkles. And I hear that you are going to be celebrating your 20th year in the industry. Yeah. yeah, I know. I I started when I was seven. That's I know. That's unbelievable. That's great. So twenty years. Gosh, that's funny because I'm on. This is year thirty for me. And so when did you get? So you got licensed. It would be it, ninety two thousand some ninety nine. Well, twenty like years is obviously in two thousand. But uh, what what was the date actually this weekend? Yeah. <laughs> it was. I think my uh, my. Uh, Private investigation team over here shouted yes. Okay, you might I don't stick to that. not math. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I like to uh, sell houses. That's my gig, and uh, math is not. But I'll That's tell you awesome. what, it, it's a long time to be in the business, and I've I've been um, uh, I've watched it change quite a bit. I'm sure you have too. And what, what's interesting about real estate is it keeps evolving, and I think that you know just like this COVID and all this other crazy stuff going on where you know, things are changing, you know, uh, Zoom cocktail parties and, you know, you're like, look at what we're doing here. 
this is, you know, something too, that's a, uh, um, the, uh, let me exit out of here. You know, you look at the, um, what's happening right now with us. I think our industry is finally changing again for the better. I think that you're going to see where we have, um, you know, more online streamlined, um, more value for the clients. Um, I think there's going to be, you know, the services that are provided by lenders, by title companies, um, everything is just getting smarter and easier. And I think that that's a, um, something that's necessary for our industry. You know what I mean? It's like, everybody keeps trying to, um, come in and, and, and blow up our industry, you know, get rid of, get rid of this or get rid of that or streamline that, or these discount brokers that come in and they all go out of business because they can't figure out how to provide the service at the same level that traditional real estate agents do. And I get it. I mean, there's times where I even go to closing and go, holy crap, that's a lot of money. Um, but on the other side of it, what are you asking of your agent? Are you asking your agent to take all the risk? Are you asking your agent to invest into you where they actually spend thousands of dollars marketing your house and then you won't adjust the price so that the house actually sells? So there's a lot of things that go into the calculation of this industry. And, and I think that it's, in, in all fairness, um, I, I'm ready for some change. I'm ready to see things get smarter and better, you know, because, um, yeah, I, I don't know. What do you think about that? I mean, I, I, maybe I'm going off the rails here a little bit. But. Well, I think it's proven. I mean, over time, I mean, that's exactly what's... Uh, been happening but i still i still believe people are out there looking for value you know and it's not it's not what you pay it's what you get for what you pay for and yeah. uh, and, and people want it uh you know done right and i i talk a lot about you know the the transaction and really selling your house is right about here that's how long that takes it's what led up to that point and then yeah. how do you hear them after the fact and really that experience part you know, is the factor of solving a lot of problems before those problems ever happen. And if you have a problem, if or if you've ever had a problem in real estate, you know, it gets pretty expensive, pretty darn quick. So, and that's why I say, you know, it's, you know, people say, oh my gosh, you're a percent higher than people, but like that, a percent is gone. In negotiations, what you're doing, I mean, all that. I mean, 1% is nothing. Yeah. Well, and I, I always, I always think it, I find it very interesting to me when people say, what's your percentage? Yeah. I say, for what? Yeah. I mean, cause like, what do you want me to do? I mean, do you want me to just to help you, the neighbor buy your house? Well, let's, let's do it for uh, this flat fee. Yeah. Or do you want me to do the full fledged? Um, you're going to overprice the house and I have to struggle for six months to sell it price. I mean, I'm being honest with you. I'm just, I'm telling you, I have to charge higher commissions when I feel that. When I, that's why when somebody says, what is your canned response? Well, if all, if all agents were equal, there'd be a set rate in this industry and there's not. And, and some people list houses for less because they're getting paid exactly what they're worth, less. They don't do the same. They don't get the same sale price. They don't get the same representation. They're not going to give you the same drive. So when you're like, oh, my little buddy just got in the business and I'm going to hire them and they're going to do it for less, you might be getting ripped off. I mean, I'm telling you, I don't care if it's 3% or 5% or 10%. It's like, what are you getting for that commission? And I, I think that's the thing that I, if I'm, I'm kind of going around the whole barn here, but um, my, what I'm trying to get to is that it's when, when you're a consumer trying to think of selling your house, what am I getting for, like I always say, the, I had a, a client, God, was it three years ago that sat me down and said, I'm interviewing three real estate companies. You're one of the three. I'm paying 7%. What are you going to do for me to get me more for my house and quicker? And I was like, Finally, you know, somebody really gets what real estate's about and what we're marketing people. We're, we're not magicians. We're not appraisers. You know, it's our job to kind of tell you what we're seeing out there. But at the end of the day, it's an appraisal that'll set the, the sale price. 
And if somebody will pay above that, great. But if somebody won't, then we're stuck with, you know, if everybody's going to finance your house, there is a cap, you know, a magic ceiling kind of, if you will. But it comes down to, can we get you more? You know, what is more? Yeah. Yeah. It's not what you make. It's what you keep too. So, I mean, I, I've heard too, hey, they're going to list it. They think it's 20000 higher and they're going to do it for a percent cheaper. Well, you know what? That could be a, a huge monster mistake um, because that 20000 high, all of a sudden it sits for a while and then there's other factors that come into play. And uh, I've had that a lot and I've, I've dealt with sellers and I tried, you tell them from the beginning and, you know, that, hey, if we don't sell it right now, you know, this is the, the stuff that could happen to it. Yeah. So, I just got a comment on Facebook. It says, um, if you've been in the business 20 years, you must have started when you were 40, question mark. Nice. <laughs> uh, I love you. Career. You retired the first time. Yeah, your second career. Good job, Andy. That's funny. Well, hey, everybody that's online, thank you for watching um, and sharing this. And, you know, if you know somebody thinking about buying or selling a house or that's new to the real estate business, um, we're just trying to get the word out there. We're trying to talk about what real estate's really about. We're trying to do, um, give an honest, open. I mean, you can tell if you've watched today's show, um, we don't hold anything back. We're trying to be honest with people on our opinions, um, right or wrong. I think that we've, you know, um, Chris, you've been around 30 years. I've been around, I guess, 20 um, in the business. Um, and so there's a few houses under our belt and there's, um, there's some experience there that like we always try to share. And both of us have had, you know, you've had teams in the past. You have a, a current like executive level team. I've got a team of a dozen of us or more. So um, we've got agents out there buying and selling. And, uh, you know, so we're, we're hearing a lot of stories. And that's what this show is all about is, is sharing those stories. Awesome. Hey, and, and, and this, this thing might start like getting on time and being a little more, uh, uh, a little more uh, exciting here coming up. Lower the bar, pal. Yep, there Lower you go. it down. Have a wonderful day. Yeah. All right, buddy. Hey, everybody. Thanks for watching. Like us on Facebook. Um, and share us if you can. Thanks, guys. Thanks for joining us this week on the Real Estate Radio Hour. Don't forget to visit our website, realestateradiohour.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast listening app. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or sharing us with a friend. Until next time, stay awesome, Twin Cities.